Good evening, Chicago. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Linnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach, right here on WBON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Inspirational Perspective on your radio is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. And so as I ask you every weekend, are you living the best life possible? And that's why you're tuned in. And that's what we'll be talking about. How to live the best life possible in this global world. So tonight I'm sharing part two of my new series on defining the 21st century. And not only defining the 21st century, but talking about the impact of globalization and diversity within this 21st century. And to do that, I have Mr. David Anderson in the studio with me this evening. Hello. And uh, grab the mic, brother. He was saying he was saying hello to the uh, Facebook Live and and Periscope crowd. Okay, they got to turn your mic on. But nonetheless, I got Mr. David Anderson in the studio. We'll be hearing from him in a moment. Uh, David Anderson is the CEO, the North American president and CEO of Keep Global, which is a Chinese-based organization. And then later, we'll also be getting a call from Quentin Clay, who is with Cornell University. He'll be sharing his perspective on globalization. But before we get into that, I want to I want to talk real quick about last week's show. And and also just share a few tidbits that I think you all need to know going into tonight's show. Okay. So if you missed part one of this topic on welcome to the 21st century globalization and diversity, the last show I defined the 21st century. And the reason that's important is because most of us were born during the 20th century. If you're like me, I was born in the mid 70s. Okay, And a lot of us don't necessarily know what the 21st century is. So I spent the last show really defining what the 21st century is. And I did this by first exploring the current era, which is the information age. And one of the things I shared on the last show is that I believe most of us who were born before the start of the information age, which was in 1990, are still mentally living in the era before that, which is the Industrial Revolution age or the Industrial Revolution era. Okay. And that ended a long time ago. And we still have yet, I believe, to adjust to the information age. And I suspect that this era, the information age, is ending very soon. And so in the last show, I talked about it ending. And then I also shared what I believe would be the next era, which is the robotic age. Okay. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about that as we get into globalization. I think it's really difficult to talk about globalization without talking about the robotic era and the robotic age that is coming soon. But, you know, 
the question I have for you all in regards to globalization is, number one, what does it mean? And then secondly, what impact is it having on our community? And believe it or not, it's having an, an impact, okay? And what does that mean for you? And more importantly, what's next? What's coming as globalization moves into the robotic era, okay? Now, one of the things I also shared last week that I think is really important to kind of give provide more context in regards to what we'll be discussing tonight is I went through the time frames of the different eras. And in going through the time frames of the different eras, I talked about the Stone Age, which is the Paleolithic, back in the Paleolithic times, Paleolithic Age. Stone Age lasted for 5,000 years. The Metal Age, which is if you're, you know, anyone who is a historian, you'd be like the Metal Age. The Bronze, what I mean by that is the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, okay? But that lasted 3,000 years. The Middle Ages lasted 1,500 years. The Industrial Age lasted 250 years. You can see those time frames compressing. The Information Age, if you run any type of regression analysis based on how these ages have basically compressed over the last 10,000 years, will probably only last 30 to 35 years, which means that we're about four years away from the end of this era. Okay? So we explored that, and then we also explored the first decade of the 21st century, okay? And what happened in the 21st century, and we, we identified that basically the first decade fell into what I would call three categories, all right? And those three categories were terror and war, uh, number two was innovation, and number three was the desire for inspirational leadership, all right? And... We also reveal what I believe is coming next, which is the robotic age. All right. So now tonight we're talking globalization. And if you missed the last show, then by all means, go to the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can find it there. So that way, you know, after you listen to this show, you kind of can stream it together. But tonight I have Mr. Anderson in the studio. And let me, let me uh, make sure they can check you out over here. Um, so Mr. Anderson in the studio, again, the CEO of Keep Global. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, David, I want to get into this conversation about, mm-hmm. uh, about globalization. But how can people find you as we get into this topic? I think most of them know how to find me, at Linnell Harris, on just about every social media medium out there. But for you, how would they find you? Sure. I mean, find me right now, the best way is on LinkedIn. <laughs> on LinkedIn, look up David Anderson, put in Chicago, or a lot of people put in uh, David Anderson White House, and I come right up. Okay. Um, so uh, on LinkedIn, but also there's a site that's it's being developed. Right now there's a sign-up kind of for an email thing, officialdavidanderson.com, officialdavidanderson.com. So that's All being right. developed too. All right, cool, cool. All right, and it's interesting because I know that we uh, – we both have been I mean, talking about globalization this evening, mm-hmm. and both of us within the last few weeks have been abroad. And I think both in Europe. I was in yeah. Greece, and if I'm not mistaken, yeah. you were in Austria. That's right. So what were you doing in Austria, man? Yeah, we're in Austria. Again, that's not Australia. That's Austria. And, and where is Austria? <laughs> where is it? Austria sits next to Germany. It's between Germany, Slovenia, and around Italy. So it's like Austria, if you're Jewish and you're listening, you'll mean anything about this. But Austria sits, uh, it was the kind of the birthplace of Hitler. 
Okay. In, in that area of the world. So it's right next to Germany and over there. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what were you doing there, man? Yeah, so I was actually speaking at TED. So it was, they have a TED uh, talk there, TED conference. If you're familiar with TED, it's the red words you see with the speakers and folks from around the world that speak on different topics. So I was invited to speak at their TED conference out there in Austria. Okay. Yeah. Good, good stuff. All right, cool. What did you talk about, man? Yeah, I, I talked about mission. It was uh, simple. I kind of took my own life. And with Anil's help, I see him and his wife, uh, we, we, we talked about it. But I talked about mission. And so it was very interesting. It's a lot of entrepreneurship going on out there, a lot of innovation going on out there, man. A lot of people are, like, trying to, you know, like, they're inspired. You know, they've had a more of a socialistic culture, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of getting more innovation back into the culture. So it was really super inspirational. I mean, the love, the love was amazing. Uh, nice. Amazing. So Nice. All right. Well, say some of that, man. We're going to get into that yeah. when we talk about more about globalization sure. in particular. Sure. But if you're just joining us, the topic tonight is Welcome to the 21st Century, Globalization and Diversity, Part 2, where we really dive into globalization. And the two questions that I'm getting underneath is, why does this matter, number one? And then number two, what you should know. What should you know about globalization? All right. So first, let's start by answering the question. What is globalization? Like, what is globalization? And, you know, I just recently I gave a speech on this and I talked about globalization, David. And the answer that I gave was that globalization is the process in which people, ideas, goods spread throughout the world, spurring more interaction and integration between the world's countries, governments, and economies. And actually, that last that part... sounds like an Oxford definition. That was so intelligent, man. <laughs> and, and by the way, the, I said the world's cultures, yeah. governments, and economies... I put it in that order on purpose because, in my opinion, one of the things that will spread despite government is culture, right? So we were just, you know, we were just in Greece. And it was interesting to me because in Greece you could tell that the Nike brand is the in brand, right? Yeah, yeah. But not an expensive Nike shoe, as long as you're wearing a pair of Nikes, Nikes, right? Now, where did that come from? That came from more of an African-American culture here yep. in the United States, oh, a black yeah. culture here in the United oh, States, right? Yeah, so right. culture is something that is global and globalization provides. Yep. And that's why I said culture first. Then government, okay. because you can't have economic globalization without government compromise. Got it. Right? So I said that on purpose. Now, I want to put this in layman's terms. So, David, how would you define globalization? Sure based on your personal and professional experience as a businessman. How would you define it? All right, sure, sure. I'm uh, not as eloquent as Linnell, but uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, I would say, from a technical definition, I would say globalization is the velocity of access to people groups beyond your borders. Right? I like that. Right? I, that's so, a, Just technical. It's, yeah. it's, it's the velocity, that the access, the speed in which you can reach other people groups Mm-hmm. beyond your borders. An example, I think, I was thinking about a, like, what's a relevant example? I was thinking about dating, right? Okay. In the 1900s, Linnell, let's say even, let's say 1960. Okay. How hard would it have been for you? Now, obviously, we're, you know, we're both married men. Right, but, right, right. <laughs> but how hard would it have been for you to date a woman, right, who was in Nigeria? Uh, or it, date a woman yeah. that was in Russia or China? Almost impossible. Unless I'm there. 
I would have to physically be there. You have to be there. To in order to date them. Or be in the yeah. army or something would or have something. to, so, to happen, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, how hard would it be for someone who is an American to date somebody from Russia, from China? Simple. It's easy. It's easy. I mean, well, before I got married, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did global work. And <laughs> right? I, I was able to date or keep a relationship with right. someone who lived in another country, yeah. in this case, Panama. Yeah. Right. Via, and it started meeting out. You know, I was, sure. I was actually in the Dominican Republic, yep. but then keeping in touch via email. Right. That's right. And then Facebook. Right. And developing a relationship right. that way right. to the point where then you end up in Panama. Right. That's right. right. So but that couldn't have happened without. without and so yeah, technology. When, when I look at globalization, I look at it's the amount of access we have today mm-hmm. and how quickly we can connect to other people groups beyond our own circle and our own border. I like that. Yep. I like that. All right. So you heard Mr. Anderson's definition of globalization. Now, you might say, well, you know, how does globalization impact me, Linnell? Like, why would I be listening to this conversation about globalization? Like, why are you choosing globalization? You say inspirational perspective is about getting inspired. It's a lifestyle choice and living the best life possible. How does this in any way, include me living the best life possible. So let let me give you an example real quick. For those of you, someone is probably listening right now, and they're getting ready for Sunday morning service, okay, or Sunday morning church. And what I want you to do is as you're pulling those clothes out, laying them on the bed, you know, if you're a man, you're you're matching up your tie, I want you to begin to look at the tags in your clothes. (laughs) Look at the tags, okay? Take a look at where your clothes are made, because what you will probably find is your shirt was made in somebody on Periscope said China. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your shirt is probably made somewhere in Europe, maybe Turkey or Italy. Right. Yep, the shirt, the um, yep. Yeah. It's likely that your pants were made in Asia, maybe India. Right. I, I just heard, you know, India here on Periscope. Yep. China. Yep. Right. It's likely that your shoes were made in Italy, right? If yeah. you got that kind of paper, <laughs> right? <laughs> you got some Italian leather Italian shoes, leather okay? Shoes. I mean, but again, this is how globalization impacts us, right? It's likely that your phone was made in Korea, you know, especially yeah. if it's a Samsung. Samsung. I, I think you have a right Korean here. phone, I have a Korean right? phone. Okay, and it's also likely that your camera was made in Japan. Yeah. All right, so whether you know it or not, uh, someone, <laughs> somebody, I pulled a dashiki out of my closet and it said made in China. China. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Man. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you that for was on Periscope. That was funny. Right? But to that point, right? This is a good example, right? When my wife and I were in Greece, we wanted to go shopping um, that Sunday, and we were asking a taxi driver to take us somewhere where we could do some shopping. He said, Well, there's two different flea markets in Athens. And which one do you want to go to? The one that sells Chinese products or the one that sells products that are made in Greece? So and and so we were like, wow, I mean, if I'm in Greece, I want something made in Greece. Right. Um, I don't want anything that was made in China. When I go to China, I'll I'll do my best to make sure I buy something that's made in China. Right. Mm -hmm. But I found that interesting that even in the Grecian tourist market, globalization has taken hold, right? Now, why would a, a Grecian salesperson sell something made in China? We both know. Why? 
because they were able to probably get that product cheaper. That's right. And so the margins, the profit margins are higher. And so that's why they're selling that tourism, that Greece T-shirt in a Grecian market, even though it was made in China. Yep. Right. So it. keep in mind, globalization is about money. It's about money. OK, so. Yeah. Buy it wholesale, then flip it. That's right. <laughs> buy it wholesale, then flip it. As a matter of fact, it's funny when I, I used to go back and forth to India quite a bit. And when different hairstylists in the city would find out, they would say, hey, man, give me some hair. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when I say hair, they, you know, I buy weave. Yep. And when you're over there, buy some weave. You can get weave for a lot less wholesale. You can get weave in India for wholesale and then bring it back to the States and sell it retail, right? Now, here's the thing. That's why we have customs. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> we have customs because they're not letting you bring $10,000 or more worth of product and sell that on the market here. Nope. No, no, they want to tax that. So, all right, cool. So I want to get into the conversation about globalization and, and, and attack it from a number of different angles, if we can, since we have Mr. Anderson in the studio. And first and foremost, David, you're an international businessman. I've done international business. You're yep. currently doing international business. Yep. So tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and how globalization impacts everything that you do on a daily basis. Yeah, sure. I think, so I mean, as you know, alluded to, I'm the you know, uh, president of, uh, of actually a, a firm that was founded in China. My you know, chairman founded it when he was like 19, 20 years old. You know, we have 10,000 employees worldwide. It's you know, we make about 800 products. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing what we do all in the environmental space and the cleaning space and, and, and that stuff. But, but, but effectively, I would say this, right? So globalization, you know, the, the amount of flexibility that one needs to operate across borders, right? And actually, since I'm, you know, speaking to a lot of folks, even on this, on this show that, you know, may be of, let's say you're listening, you're a mi- minority. Um, what I have found that that thing that we call code switching, uh-huh. that thing code switching, Linnell, you know, code switching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But explain to the listeners what that is. Code switching means that it's a term that's used particularly in African-American culture where, you know, when you are among the predominant culture in certain areas, you know, you can say, hey, man, what's up? I hope you're kicking it, filling them in. Well, we're about to lay back and chill, right? And then when you get among, you know, your corporate American colleagues, you go, hey, man, how are you doing? I hope you're doing very well. Yes, I'm fine. I want to, you know, sit back and relax and probably have a latte. Right. And that's, that's what I call assimilation. <laughs> <laughs> assimilation. Right. Um, yeah. um, um, Somebody on Periscope said fronting. <laughs> hey, when I was in corporate America, I called it surviving. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. so, so real quick, it's basically in the global marketplace, you have to be flexible and be able to code switch. You have to have the ability to work yeah. with cultures across everything and their culture, adapt to them, adapt to how they do business and everything. But for me, it started with me um, personally because open-minded to understand how other people work, right? How other people work and also how – how can I put this? In the best way I could say it, every day, every day – that job that we think that is going overseas, there's also a person overseas who's looking to bring their capital or a job to America. Wow. Okay, so just to really dive into what Mr. Anderson just shared, and what you said is true, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. I have a friend who was in uh, Nicaragua this week, and they were on Snapchat, and they were snapping a couple of pictures of things that, you know, I recognize. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Granada, I, you know. And I told her, I was like, I'd like to think that, you know, I'm responsible for the development of the middle class in Nicaragua, right? Back then, people were angry because jobs were leaving the states. Yeah. But now, in that Nicaraguan market, you have people who have developed business in an economy where they want to bring jobs to the Look, states, right? right? Because they want to trade with the states. So I would say this, right? And I think I like to use stories and analogies because I think people will get it, right? In order to do business globally, you usually had to be part of an institution that that institution gave you access. So I want to use, because I had a background at the White House, I want to use this for example. In order to meet a lot of global people, you would have had to, let's say, go somewhere like the State Department or the White House or a global corporation Mm -hmm. like a U.S. sailor. And through that corporation, you would have met people around the world, Mm -hmm. met those contacts, stayed in touch with those people, and you could do business. Right. I like to say today, from a business perspective, you can create your own White House. I believe that. Yeah. Right. You have the ability today to tie into networks. Okay, and I don't even want to get there. That's a that's even deeper conversation. But it, what I was going to go with is how. So tell you know, sure. if I'm listening right now and I'm in the comfort of my home, sure. I'm listening. I'm like, okay, yeah, man, you're talking that. You're a CEO. Sure. You know, they're flying you back and forth to China, whatever. How yeah. how do I make? You're saying do global business. How do I do global business, David? If I'm just you know yeah. regular Joe Schmo sure. in my house. Sure. All right. So number one, right. You got to pick up a book. <laughs> Number one. Okay. Right? All right. Honestly, God, there's a ton of books on it. Okay. So you took up a book. Number two, right? It's not fast. However, you got to tie into networks, right? Okay. There are LinkedIn networks, global business networks. So wait, so wait a second. You just said networks, internet? Yeah. Internet. It sounds like you have to, you, you basically tell them that if they use the internet, yes. the internet will globally link them. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. Huh, instead of just instead of on Facebook, you just you know <laughs> wilding out on Facebook, right? You need to tie into Facebook groups where people are actually like you know, like you know, doing stuff globally. Love it, Period. love it. Like hey. this, like this show. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and again, like on this show, we have global listeners. I mean, we have people who are streaming on Periscope from all over the world, and then we have people who listen, you know, via the app from all over the world, mostly in the Western Hemisphere. And, by the way, Inspirational Perspective's largest following is from India. And then the second largest following is from South Africa. And then the third largest following is the United States. Who knew? I mean, so, again, global perspective, right? That's right. Global perspective. So my ability to do business in India now, because that's a huge part of my following, I mean, it's relatively easy. Yep. I mean, I just reach out, boom, make it happen via the Internet. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. All right, so I'm going to bring on now uh, Quentin Clay from Cornell University. Quentin, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing, sir? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Glad to join you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, thanks for joining. Um, was that? Is that intro, Quentin? Yeah, yeah, please, by all means. Okay. So, Quentin, real quick, guys, so, listeners, so you know, Quentin – uh, is a uh, the associate director of recruitment and admissions for Cornell, the Cornell University in New York City, the Ivy League school. But before that, he's been in college education. But he also actually is a judge for many of the Miss USA pageants around the USA. 
and uh, has a very entrepreneurial, multidisciplinary background. So, but he's done a lot of stuff globally, and also obviously he's dealing with you know a global university. So, Quentin, how has uh, education been impacted by globalization? Yeah. So, you know, as, as we think about education, uh, one of the key pieces of globalization is the interaction and integration of people because companies, governments, nations, technology, trade, investment, none of that moves without the people interaction, right? So to talk about globalization, we certainly have to zoom in on the interaction of people and then also integration. Uh, to prepare young people to do that in the college and university setting, not only do uh, our institutions uh, benefit from having international populations students coming from various countries, in addition to various places in the United States, from urban, from the ghetto, from the rural, from the suburban, from just a variety of walks of life. It's bringing these folks together so they can interact, engage, and then integrate through thoughts and ideas, through topics that may be neutral to your culture, your ethnicity, your background, and there may be topics that are extremely sensitive and nuanced because of your experience and where you come from. So education benefits in, in multiple ways. We think about curriculum. If a student is engaging in environmental and sustainability uh, conversations, how can you have that conversation without looking at multiple environments, right, looking at different mm-hmm. resources, yeah. weather, you know, soil, yeah. temperature, climate, all of those things benefit from where everyone is coming from. Uh, how can you have uh, sustainability conversations without resources? You know, you can't just think of it from the standpoint of, you know, a westernized, mm-hmm. booming uh, economy where capital is overflowing. You have to think about how you talk about sustainability in places where resources are extremely limited. And you have to be very, very creative. And you have other sort of bureaucratic limitations, you know. So we're trying to bring those things into the curriculum because it allows our students, students at any institution, to grow, have a perspective that's much broader than just where you come from and how things are done. It allows you to not just work in a particular role, not just obtain a job, but to be a leader because you understand various vantage points and you don't just have one strategy. You're not a one-trick pony. You're a person who can connect to various perspectives, be creative, use some ingenuity. I love that. Um, it I love happens that. in engaging topics with people who you have connections to. And, you know, I get on the soapbox because oftentimes we're willing to embrace diverse and different perspectives when we have a connection to people. You know, if you have a relative who's an alcoholic, then you take exception to when someone refers to alcoholics in a demeaning way, right? Mm-hmm. It's your relationship, your connection sometimes that can allow you to be a bit more sensitive and open-minded, right? Whereas right. if you don't have the connection, you can approach things with a certain bias and a certain callous. So by having students simply from various places in the world, the relationship happens to where we open ourselves up to information that our disposition may not allow us to digest. Beyond curriculum, we talk about study abroad. Study abroad isn't just something that looks good to employers and to graduate schools. Mm-hmm. It's saying that a student is willing to place themselves in a new environment, to come to other rules, cultural norms, to be able to think about social settings where their disposition, their physicality, their facial expressions, their gestures maybe mean something different. So mm-hmm. it's a new level of learning. Yeah. It's an interpersonal communication skill, not just I went to Africa I went to Swaziland, not just I went to Geneva (laughs) or I went to Shanghai. I studied engineering in Rio. It's beyond just the pedagogy. It's actually also about developing the skill of being in new settings 
mm-hmm. and figuring out where you sit, right? Like figuring that. out, figuring like out how you can acclimate, and then figuring out how you can thrive. And, so when we think the, about, an, go ahead. I was going to say, and the experience. I mean, I mean, studying those places, the overall experience of the culture, how that broadens their horizon. And I love what oh you said. Goodness. You talked about the vantage point as a leader, but it broadens mm-hmm. their horizon not just as a leader. But as an individual, their ability to yeah. re- relate to oh, someone. Totally. Yeah. So, I, totally. I, man, I, I love where, where you're going. I want to ask you a question about education in particular, because I spend a lot of time at universities talking to young people. And one of the things mm-hmm. I talk about is when you think about getting an education in the United States, you know, so right now we're talking about what you all do at Cornell to ensure that the students at Cornell are getting a well-rounded global oh, education. Yeah. Right. But the oh, other, no, in many places, yep. yeah, yeah, in many places, right. But the other thing too is now that we're in a globalized world, one of the things that I often remind students of is if I'm a student at Cornell, I could look around Cornell and say, "Well, I'm competing with these individuals," right? But I would mm-hmm. love to get your perspective as someone who's in education on if I'm in school, who am I really competing with? Like, <laughs> let me tell you, man, you're competing with yourself. You're competing with your bias. You're competing with your limitations. Ooh. You know, you're, you're, you're competing with the thresholds that you need to push. <laughs> you know, I, I tell students, when you go to college, man, it's not about the person that's sitting next to you. It's about the person you're looking in the mirror with. You know, the person who doesn't want to mm-hmm. study, the person who was frustrated because maybe the topic presented in class offended where you come from, mm. right? Defended, defended your skin, wow. right? And oftentimes, and especially in communities of color, when we talk about diversity, we're talking about ourselves. We're not talking about everybody who's different. You know, I've been to nine countries. I've been to 35 states. And I'm going to tell you, I've run into a lot of different types of people. And those people add more to me than competition. They add to my character and my fabric. They add to the diversity of my thinking. So Mm -hmm. you're not competing with students from other countries. You're not competing with students from other states sitting next to you in the seat. You're competing with yourself. And and if we're really embracing diversity, we're asking questions about the people around us. And we're also embracing the conflict. Because what happens when you come to Ithaca, New York, and people don't get you, right? They don't mm-hmm. get how you dress. They right. don't get your disposition. They don't get why you're relaxed and loose with your language. They caught you, like David mentioned earlier, they caught you in a moment of code switching, and they thought you was the guy on BC, right? <laughs> you're asking for conflict when you're asking for diversity. However, you mm. begin to redefine who you think you are as an individual. And even as me and my undergrad experience, man, I grew so much because people would tell me, hey, you talk different, right? You don't just listen mm-hmm. to the same music that we used to listen to anymore. You don't just enjoy the things that we enjoy. You switch it, right? Right. You're losing who you are. And what I thought I was changed when I got around other people, not because I was conforming to who they were, but they helped me discover the diaspora of Quentin. They helped me understand that. that I'm a kaleidoscope. I'm many things and not just one. So you're not competing with people. Those people are introducing to you maybe challenges, maybe difficult moments, maybe ideas, maybe it's an argument. And when you go back and you're introspective and you're honest, that brings something new that you wouldn't have discovered about yourself had those circumstances, those moments, those professors, those tough topics, you know, those abrasions taking place. So I don't think it's a competition. I love that, man. I love that. So, so Quentin, you know, anyone who heard you who would love to maybe ask you more questions on Twitter or anything like that within the social media realm, how do they get in contact with you? You know what? I'm absolutely on LinkedIn. You can find me, Quentin Clay. 
you can throw in Cornell University. You can find my contact info on LinkedIn. I certainly welcome the conversation, dialogue, anything that can be helpful to you in and around Cornell or higher education, whatever's going to be helpful, reach out. I'm absolutely excited about it. Man, thank you so much for your contribution to the show this evening, brother. Really appreciate that. Oh, certainly. You all keep what you're doing. Absolutely. All, all right. right. Quentin Clay, Cornell University. Really a, man, a wonderful perspective on education. Love that. I, I, I loved his, uh, his perspective. And I even like how he said, you're competing with yourself. I'm still in that, Quentin, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking that officially. So don't get mad if you hear it. <laughs> yes, sir. So let's talk about, you know, so we talked about education. We talked about business. Let's talk about travel. Mm. And, you know, you and I both, like, like you said, I was, in, I, I was just in Greece. Yep. You were in Austria. I think you were also in Italy and Turkey. Yeah, you you kind of moved Turkey. around. Yeah, yeah. What evidence of globalization did you see? And if I'm uh, listening on the radio right now, you know, a member of the South Side community here in Chicago, why do I care? Why do I care? So I'm going to give you an example of a great conversation I had while I was, I was actually in Turkey. So we, okay. We were in Istanbul. We were going shopping. We were going shopping in Istanbul, and uh, the guy we were shopping with, he just stopped, and he just said, let me ask you a question, right? Because, you know, uh, Turkey is mostly Muslim. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. He said, you know, this is after I bought, there was some carpet made in Turkey. There was all this, uh, uh, we were buying some other goods and stuff, and he said, how does America view view Muslims? Because he's like, I, I, I'm mm. kind of looking at some of your TV and you know some back and forth. And I said, you know, I said a lot of people are really just uneducated, man. They don't really understand. And you know, in the same like week, I had a conversation with a guy who was uh, from Saudi, who was Muslim, who manages billions of dollars for a definitely crown prince over there. And they were having a conversation about. But hold on, but hold up, hold yeah. up, hold up. Because I love when you, David sometimes would just talk and act like what he just said didn't, wasn't big. <laughs> Manages billions of dollars for the crown prince. <laughs> All right, let's, and, let's and, go back, and, let's go back. And, and he was talking about just the idea of like what's in American media. He was asking about, you know, what's happening with the police and black people and all type of stuff. And so it's not just, I wanted people to know, it's not just the it's business, but it also is what you said, Linnell. It is the ideas are being shared globally, right? Mm-hmm. What we believe in media is being shared globally. All right, so let me say this. So you guys know I've been to over 40 countries, 260 cities around the world, okay? And one of the things that's done for me, one, is it's erased my fear of travel. I mean, right. last time we were in Thailand, they had just blown up something at one of the, the tourism sites. And, you know, my mother-in-law was like, are you guys still going to go? Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> because I live in Chicago. OK, so, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> I mean, I ride up in 87th Street to get here. OK, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if I'm covered here, I'm covered there. OK, that's right. how I think about it. Right. All right. But the other piece is this. When you travel, one of the things that you will find, especially when you turn on your television and begin to digest their media, is that every country has a message that they're trying to send. Okay, And they send it through their media, through the news. So in Greece, right? Hey, this is interesting. We, my wife and I were in Athens. They were demonstrating in Athens against the government. But when you turned on the television, you didn't see it. 
And the only reason we knew they were demonstrating is because we saw the riot police. We saw the people. Now, in the States, you haven't seen anything about that. And the reason they're demonstrating is because Greece is in debt, right? right? They got bailed out by Germany, and they have to figure out how to pay that back. And the the Grecian people don't want more taxes, and so they're demonstrating. We hear nothing about that. Now, point number two. I saw more commercials for African banks, African banks, big banks, you in Greece? while I was in Greece than I've ever seen before, ever. I've never seen one in the States, never. Now, are they not trying to buy media space in the States, or are they forbidden? <laughs> I, and again, I, hey, here's the other reason you travel, because it, it creates questions. That's right. And that's what happens for me. I start asking questions like, well, why haven't I heard of Zenith Bank? you know, from Africa. Uh, Well, I haven't heard of this bank before. And I got to get online and find out about this bank. We're talking about Bank Black, (laughs) you know. So, again, more reasons why we should be traveling and expanding our boundaries. But, David, you shared something in regards to your travel. Oh, yeah. And and I want you to share that on the air as well. Yeah, I'll I'll share this in one minute. So, basically, what happened was, so I was talking to my chairman early on uh, in China, and we were talking about Linnell, about this sentiment. As, as, you know, as you guys know, this, this kind of sentiment, like, you know, it's almost like anti-China, right? Like, oh, China's going to take over, you know, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And for a while, it's been like that. And, you know, we were sitting down, my chairman and I, and we, were, we had this conversation because we realized that there's like almost like a propaganda to, oh, absolutely. To tell you, mm-hmm. don't go to China. Like, oh, man, the Chinese, man, you, you ain't ready for them, right? It's crazy, right? Wow, Walmart, Target, all these companies are over there in China selling you products at 30 times the price. <laughs> yeah, don't go to China. Well, because, don't go to China. Well, 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 don't go to China because you'll begin to see how much you can actually pay That's for right. something, right? And hey, you, can do you know, China. the last time my wife and I were in Asia, you know, we went to uh, we went to um, a tailor, and we had suits made. I had a suit made for my wife. I had shirts made for my wife. I had shirts made for myself, suits made for myself. And when we got the bill, my wife was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, when you see in your – I mean, in Greece, I bought yeah. a beautiful sports jacket, man, for a fraction of the cost that a sports jacket like that would cost in the States. Why? Because it was made in Turkey. Turkey, Turkey is oh, right yeah. is right across the way. Yep. It's it's a forty five minute plane <laughs> ride. That's right. Right. So I'm not paying for shipping and handling and customs and taxes yep. and all the things that I would normally pay when I'm buying that in Greece. That's right. Right. And so that same jacket in the states is going to cost a lot more money. I mean, and so I'm telling you guys, one of the things that we're going to be doing inspirational perspective in 2017 is Inspirational Perspective will be sponsoring its very first international trip, all right? There are three different locations currently that I'm looking to go. I'm going to put a poll up within the next week on Inspirational Perspective. If you haven't liked the Facebook page, I need you to go and like the Facebook page. But the three locations right now are Greece. uh, Yeah, we fell in love with it like that. It was wonderful. Okay, Greece, India. Yep. To do the Golden Triangle, right, which, which would be the Taj Mahal, the Pink City, yeah. and uh, Mumbai, okay? And then last but not least, Peru, where we would take in uh, Machu Picchu and Cusco, as well as the capital, Lima, 
there in Peru. All right. So those are the three trips that we're planning for inspirational perspective to ensure that this conversation on globalization, not only we talk about it, but we actually bring it to you and do something. All right. So that's the show. I want to close with this quote. One day there will be no borders, no boundaries, no flags and no countries. And the only passport will be the heart. That's Carlos Santana. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you, David, for being here. Awesome being with you, Linnell, as always. And uh, it's been real. Love you guys. Stay inspired. It's a lifestyle choice. Linnell Harris signing off.